Hi, this is Materially Speaking, where artists tell their stories through the materials they choose. In this series, we're talking about marble, in a community in northern Italy where artists have been carving marble since Michelangelo first came here 500 years ago to source marble for his Pieta. They come not only to benefit from the range of marble available here, but also to work with the exceptionally skilled artisans. We're 30 miles north of Pisa and 15 miles south of the marble mountains of Carrara, sandwiched between sea and pine forests on one side and olive groves rising up the hillsides into the Apuan Alps on the other, near a town called Pietra Santa. Today I'm talking to sculptor Jim Hager, who divides his time between Pietra Santa and his home in Oakland, California. Jim has a workspace in La Polviera, one of the last historic studios in the centre of town. And because it is pretty noisy in a sculptor's studio, we set off to find a quiet spot for our interview. He takes me to Il Cro di Porta a Luca, a historic workers' restaurant. On the wall, someone has painted empty picture frames, ready for the artist to draw something inside if the fancy takes them. The small table we meet in has an old-fashioned gramophone, a couple of small tables and chairs, and bookshelves crammed with art books and catalogues of artists' shows. There is a small window open to the street, and people often poke their head in to say hello. And what about this place, where we're sitting now? I'm going to take a picture of you. So where, what are we in now? What so are we this in there? place is a library created in uh, a small workers' restaurant called The Crow. In the early days when I came here, it was filled with uh, artisans that worked in the studios around here. So it was all workers. Now there are very few left, but... Uh, it's still a wonderful environment and a, and a place to get a, a, a great pasta for a value. So if you wouldn't mind, just say your name and introduce yourself in your own words. Let's go. Yeah, I'm uh, Jim Hager. I've uh, been sculpting for probably 30 years. Uh, came to Pietrasanta in 92. As a, I, I came here for a wedding. A friend of mine from university got married and introduced me to a carving studio. And I've I've been modeling in clay for years at, uh, in San Francisco and said, ooh, it'd be interesting to try to do some marble carving. So I came and spent four months at Studio Sem in Pietrasanta. And how, uh, tell me a little about uh, your background. So where were you born and what were your childhood? I was born in California. I uh, went to university to become a doctor because you need to be either a doctor or a lawyer to be successful in the eyes of my family. So I took a lot of uh, biology and uh, anatomy and, and physiology kind of courses uh, and changed my major halfway when I realized that that wasn't for me. Uh, and so I ended up going into health policy work. Uh, what does that mean? Well, that, that means uh, working sort of on the business side of healthcare in the United States. Um, and my first job was in Washington, D.C. Uh, with the federal government in a program for a couple years. And my office was right across the street from the National Gallery. And I started going to the gallery to uh, look at uh, documentaries that were playing in the basement of the East Wing uh, during lunch times, and was enamored by art and what I saw and decided I wanted to change and become an artist. 
So I moved to San Francisco a couple years later and took courses in a program uh, at Fort Mason and learned how to model and fell in love with it. And so when I had the opportunity to come here a couple years later to learn how to carve, I jumped on it. So did you sort of mix working in the healthcare system with art or did you do them separately? No, I, I, I tried to do them simultaneously, which was quite a challenge for me. So I would spend a month here uh, every summer. Both our children sort of grew up with their summers in Pietra Santa and did a project. I'd rough it out at the studio where I could make a lot of dust and noise and then I'd ship it home and finish it in my studio at home. And sculpture seemed to be a much easier medium for me to tackle than painting because I, I would do life drawing classes and I loved the figure but I had no inclination for how to use colors. So doing something like modeling and carving seemed to be a natural, and, and I, I loved the routine of carving. So that became my new medium once I came here and learned. What do you mean about the routine of carving? Can you explain? Well, I, I find uh, carving marble can be uh, very uh, routine and boring uh, after a while, uh, especially the way I do it. I, I would... I typically did figurative work, so I would use pointing tools and I'd do an exact copy of the plaster model that I brought into the studio. And a lot of that is very routine and uh, structured process of carving. So I would, it would take a lot of time. And I'd put on my headset and put on some good music and I'd spend the whole day and realize that eight hours had passed. So you like that way of working? I, I, I like that way of working. I, I'm sort of evolved to the point where I'm wanting to move away from figurative work and moved into more abstract where I could just carve uh, what I feel like carving without having to worry about reference points. Does your corporate experience uh, or your work in healthcare, does, does that inform your work at all? It, it, it does from more of a social purpose. So the piece I'm working on now is all around homelessness and in the Bay Area where I spent all my adult life. Homelessness has become more and more uh, chronic an issue in our community. And I, I see, I, I used to walk to work in downtown Oakland every day, and I would see more and more people panhandling uh, and seeing that a lot of them were, you know, they're not their traditional drug addicts and, and uh, you know, mental health patients. The, a lot of them were older people that were just down on their luck. And so the healthcare component of my life, I think, um, gave me more of a social conscience that I want to exhibit in my artwork. So do you want to talk about this piece? Tell, tell us what it looks like. One aspect of marble carving that I am really in love with is that you could take a real hard substance like stone and turn it into something that looks very different than what it is. Uh, I, early on in my 
career, when I first started carving, I would go to a lot of museums and I'd see works like Bernini and the, and the Borghese Gallery where hands were pushed against flesh and it looked like flesh. It looked like a hand. And so when um, I was thinking about doing something in homelessness, I thought, you know, I would love to do something that doesn't look like marble, but uh, uses marble. So I created a house of cards out of cardboard placards. I've been collecting uh, cardboard placards from homeless members around Oakland. And I thought, oh, I'd stack up these placards and make a house of cards and carve it in marble. So I wanted it to look very fragile. I wanted it to represent cardboard as accurately as I could. And I debated whether or not to inscribe the messages that people I found on the streets were using or not, and I decided that I wouldn't, uh, that I would let people's imaginations put their own messages on there, but I'd have images around an exhibit uh, as an installation that would have some of those messages around it. The main purpose is to have uh, people realize that homeless neighbors are real people because we often just blow by people with signs and say, I'm not going to give them, they're just going to go out buy a beer or do, do whatever we might imagine they would do with the money we give them. And so I took uh, a colleague and we interviewed 20 homeless people in Oakland, did videotapes. So I want to uh, put in video format around an exhibition people talking about who they are so the audience will realize that these are real people and that they deserve some of our attention, especially seeing a house of cards in, in marble, which is a material used for creating some of the finest homes in our world, uh, and being uh, cardboard, which is you know what a lot of people are living, sleeping on in the streets of Oakland and other cities around the world. It's a sensational piece. Can you tell us roughly how high it is and describe it? Yeah, the, the, it is a block, probably a cubic meter. I use as a model uh, the placards that I collected, and a lot of them had been folded as people, you know, finish their day, fold it up, put it in their back pocket and walk away. So each one is about a foot high and two, three feet wide. And so I stacked them up, and it's three layers uh, of cardboard stacked. And I, I tried to be very deliberate about uh, making the edges frayed, making it look rippled, because, you know, as I saw these placards, it's not, new, it's not a new piece of cardboard people are using on the streets to ask for help. It's, uh, it's usually a wadded-up discard that uh, they found on the street, so it's, it's pretty banged up. And how long did it take you to do it took me about four months, and and it was a break in routine from doing figurative work, so I loved it. And what sort of technology did you use, or did you use any technology? I found a beautiful block of statuario from a studio, Cervietti, which is used to be the studio that we're in now. They, they used to have an artisan studio there for many years. Franco Cervietti is highly respected, and his name comes up a lot in this series. He's the founder's son and current owner of Cervietti Studios, which dates from 1962 and is well known for figurative and classical work. So Franco was able to find a beautiful block of statuario for me, which is very important because 
uh, I had started the piece in a different block, and it was soft uh, and cooked. They say in Italy it's cotto. It's it's been exposed to the sun, so it gets sort of sugary and the, the doesn't hold an edge on the crystals. So the block that I got was gorgeous. So I used my model as a reference. I marked it up with crayon. Uh, and then I took a diamond saw and an angle grinder and started cutting away big chunks of the stone to sort of liberate the, the dimensions that I wanted to, to have. I initially made the cardboard about a half an inch thick, so I'd have plenty of material left to adjust and do details as I made it as thin as cardboard normally is. The piece is pretty fragile. But initially it was saws, then it was chisels, then files. And I used um, a Dremel tool to get a lot of the details because I have places where corrugation is exposed on the ripped edges of the cardboard. That got me into my old uh, quietly sit with music routine of picking away, cutting little grooves in the cardboard as I finished it. That's amazing. I don't know how you get into the crevices and it's just extraordinary. We wind back now to hear about the time that Jim first came to Pietra Santa. The guy I was working for at the time was uh, a dream. He said, yes, go. And I came here uh, with a wife and two-year-old son, uh, rented a little place, and it was October. So we rode my bicycle to work and, uh, and learned how to carve stone at the studio. And it was a great experience because at the time, Pietra Santa probably had... 30 carving studios in the middle of town, all the artigiani that worked in the community that would do pieces, mainly for churches and other religious works, had their own little studios in the in the first floor of their homes down the middle of town. And it's completely changed now. So it, it's sort of sad to see uh, the city evolve. Uh, I guess this gentrification just like happens in San Francisco and any other community where there's a, a lot to offer and values uh, of homes and, and workspaces climb and artists can't afford it anymore. The city changes complexion, which happened here. Has that impacted the homeless project, do you think? I see so many parallels between the two. I was always drawn to Pietrasanta because of the art community that existed here. We would go to the bars in the piazza at lunch and they would be filled with dust-covered people talking about what they're doing with their art. And it would be great because we could share stories, talk about our projects, see other people's works. And it was a very fulfilling environment to work in and we would grow from the experience of being together now it's much different i'm blessed to be in a wonderful studio that uh, is in the middle of town a studio sem where i worked has migrated out into the country like a lot of the carving studios here because of noise and dust uh, leaving the sort of touristy, restaurant-filled Pietrasanta downtown area. I see in Oakland, where I've lived the last 30 years of my life, there was a big art community, as was San Francisco. And a lot of the artists migrated to big, less desirable warehouse spaces in more industrial parts of the town. And it's a shame you go to galleries and you see the price of art and people are shocked uh, by how much it costs. And then we look at artists and you realize how little they make. 
And unless you're very famous or successful, artists live on the edge financially and need to be in a work environment that they can afford. In San Francisco, a lot of that has migrated out of the core part of the town into fringe areas. Oakland, there's a big issue about artists being displaced by just the gentrification of the city and the cost of housing. In Pietrasanta, I see the same parallel. So as the studios move further away from a core center, it's harder to collaborate. In the U.S., there is a research study done every year in urban communities to count the homeless. Uh, they just finished one in January in the Bay Area in Oakland, where I'm from, and the homeless population increased almost double in the two years prior. So there are now estimated to be around 8,000 homeless in Oakland. In Los Angeles, the count was 60,000. And there was a reported almost a thousand people in the homeless community died on the streets and they die with a life expectancy that's a good 20 years less than the normal population. So there's, there's a lot of issues around the need to better support this kind of community. Why so many homeless? Why the growth? I think it's the cost of living. In San Francisco, you know, I'm, we're blessed to be in Pietrasant. We're blessed to be in a very prosperous community where there in San Francisco, Uber went public. There are several large corporations went public. And when that happens and the workforce, you know, benefits from all of their hard work and education and become mini millionaires. And so there's a lot of people that move into those communities, want to buy houses. They're expanding the, the housing into areas that once were low-income, low-rent communities, and they're being gentrified, and people are losing their homes. They can't afford the rent anymore. I think it's important that people realize that homeless people are real people. And when I interviewed members of the homeless community in Oakland, there, there were a lot that had alcohol and substance abuse, and there were a lot of veterans that have PTSD, and you know, it's hard for them to survive in a job, in a normal work environment that you and I would have. And there are a lot of seniors that become homeless uh, at an older age, and it's tragic. I left my corporate job a few years ago, and I left early because I was so excited to do this full-time. And my goal was to come back to Studio Sem, uh, and they had just moved out of the city prior to my, my arrival here. So I found La Polviera, which was a wonderful studio right next door that I'd walked by uh, all the years that I'd worked at Studio Sem, the old Cervietti studio. And it is um, 
still there. It's probably, well, it, it's one of the last carving studios in Pietrasanta, which is a shame in the city area. And it's uh, filled with a dozen artists that are there pretty much uh, full time or, or close to it uh, with others that come in periodically. It's a beautiful old building with a second floor filled with plaster models from the old days when the studio used to carve a lot of religious figures for churches, uh, which is a, a treasure to see. It's got a great diverse group of people managed by two women from Argentina of Italian descent. Then it's in an area where there are trees and outdoor carving spaces uh, and the trees shed their leaves in the winter when you need more light and they have leaves in the summer when you need it to be cool. It's just a beautiful carving environment. And what's happening to it now? The owner apparently passed away and it's gone to the heirs and they want to sell the property. Uh, Pietrasanta as I said earlier, had probably 30 carving studios within the town center, which is only four blocks by four blocks. And now there are none in the town center. This is the closest thing to it. Uh, and they've all disappeared. There are a lot of galleries and a lot of restaurants and a lot of tourists from the beach. It's a shame to have a, the, called the City of Art that has few artists living in it anymore. Uh, there's a museum of art and there's a lot of galleries that display art, but the actual creators of art are needing to migrate further from the center, which is which is sad uh, for me uh, as somebody who grew up in this space. Yeah, you know, one thing that's constant is change. I still have a, uh, a wonderful uh, community of artists, uh, some of them that I've known for 30 years that have been coming here or working in studios outside of the center, uh, some that are in La Poviera. So hopefully uh, as we migrate to a new location, we'll create another wonderful community to work in. So thanks to Jim Hager. You can see his work on his website at hagersculpture.com and follow him on Instagram. Jim Hager Sculpture. For photographs of all the work discussed in this series, follow us on Instagram or visit our website, materiallyspeaking.com, and join our mailing list to hear about upcoming episodes. Production thanks go to Michael Hall. Yeah.